0: We lift our voice to you, Lord, and thank you. The gifts of the Spirit are a vital part of you edifying your church and building your body. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. There are things that have been set forth by you to help enhance and to do things directly in your church, to build your church, to build your people. Thank you, Lord. So we're open to you and we look to you. We magnify you. Thank You, Lord, for Your church, Your body, You being the head, Jesus, and we are parts of the body. Thank You, Lord, You work through the body to edify the church so we might do Your things. Glory to You. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord. We worship You. Glory to Your name. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord, God. We worship You. Thank You. You are so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're building your church. And we're cooperating. Thank you, Lord. not just For the church, for the sake of you, 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 Lord, have done this. We magnify you. Hallelujah. You know Jesus is the head of the church, and we've been talking about you know the Bible said, "I will build my church," and you know one of the things is is He sets certain things in the church to be in the church and happen in the church, and so we shouldn't be bothered when we see some certain things happen in the church amen which is meets in a building and uh, there's things that he wants to do and will do and will cooperate with him so go ahead and greet somebody there by you See so you guys this morning. You glad to be here? Yeah. I'm glad you're here. Uh it hopefully you had a good Halloween, whatever you want to call it. But uh if you would like to borrow a Bible, uh we'll loan you one of ours. Just raise your hand right now. One of the ushers will get you a Bible. You can leave it in the seat when you're done. If you will, open up your Bible to uh or a Bible or uh notepad, whatever, however you're looking at the Bible, because there's Various ways to do that. Well, one of the ushers turned that fan off over there that was left on. Thank you. Um, Matthew 16. This is where we've been uh, for the last... This is week four. So I would encourage you to do this with these messages, is go back and listen to them if you haven't. They're online for free. They have been very unique and distinct, each one. And so... um, It's a different maybe approach, but it's a common Bible approach to how God does certain things. But if you'll open up to Matthew 16, 16th chapter of Matthew, we're going to pick back up where we left off last week or take it a step further, and we're going to talk about my church, which doesn't mean my church, but his church, it's a term in the Bible. But Matthew 16 verse 18 says this, And I also say to you that you are Peter. Now, this is Jesus speaking to Peter. And he said, and on this rock, or this truth, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. And so from that phrase, I will build my church, is where we got this title. I will build my church. Jesus said he would build my church. What is the church? The church literally means ecclesia or the called out ones. People who have been called out by the Lord. People who are saved. The church does meet in buildings. The church can meet in a park. The church can meet at different places. The church, though, will, and we'll look at this probably at some time, have a genuine minister over it. And we talked about some different things concerning ministers and what they're to do in the church. That every person really has a gifting. They have a part to play in the church or in the body. And so we're going to take this a little bit further. Go back to Matthew, or I'm sorry, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And we talked about this, about how that ministry gifts, one of the things that ministers are to do is to defend the gospel. They are to defend the gospel. You with me? Defend the gospel. What does that mean? It means they are to be a defense so that the gospel doesn't go backwards or does not get lost. You with me? Can the gospel get lost? Can the gospel get moved? Can people get moved away from the gospel? We read in Ephesians, we'll look at this again, how people who are not founded in the truth get tossed to and fro. What is it to be tossed? It means, you know, you get thrown from one place to another. And so ministers should defend the gospel. That doesn't mean they're going to be mean, but they will keep a standard. And we looked at different things that occurred in the Bible and how Paul said he was appointed for the defense of the gospel and confirmation, or literally it meant to produce a confidence. In other words, to bring faith to people. So here in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, we're going to go further about him building the church. We know that from last week, God has invested in every person something. Every saved person has an investment from the Lord for the building of the church, the building of people. Because that is the church. And so here in Ephesians 4, we're not going to read verse 1 and 2 where it talks about each person has a gifting and that the Lord wants us to walk according to a certain attitude and way concerning it. But let's go down to verse 7 and begin there. Ephesians 4. I just have to get there. But I was thinking about something else. Ephesians 4. We'll all, we'll all get there. You can wait on me. I've waited on you before, right? <laughs> Ephesians 4. I was thinking, I was actually thinking about the door being open. But Ephesians 4, verse 7. <laughs> I, was. I was. I was thinking, you know. I, that's what I was thinking about. I'm being honest. Ephesians 4. I was like, I thought, thought we were going to close that. No, it's uh, and I checked and made sure I was like my zippers closed, and the doors' open, so Anyway, Ephesians four, I am there almost. I'm in Philippians four. Now I'm in Ephesians four. Mm-hmm. Verse seven, it says, "But to each one of us, notice that to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says, "When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive." And gave gifts to men. Now we've talked about how that the Lord has uh, given gifts to everybody according to a measure. He has given it. It's not your own measure. It's his measure. Some people want their measure to be something else. But he took a measure of grace and ability, gave it to each Person, and then what you give an account for is that. You with me? So you can't want somebody else's measure, can't want somebody else's grace. We just need to know our own, because remember, it's required among stewards that it might they might be found faithful. We looked last week how one of the measures that is equal to everybody is everybody is to be an ambassador or one who tells people about Christ. Everyone. Then there are other things to do in the body of Christ. Now, just a side thought here: there are manifestations of the Spirit. Those come. Uh, as the Spirit wills and as He moves on people to do things, those are different than this. Those actually function in these grace giftings. Meaning, in other words, there are people who are called to do certain things, and then there are manifestations of the Spirit uh, along with these workings. In other words, and they can operate through anybody who's in the body of Christ. And so, that being said, verse 7 or verse 8 says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now this he descended. What does it mean, but that he also first, or I'm sorry, What does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? In other words, he ascended, but he first descended. When Christ died, he descended. He went to hell. Whether people like that or not, there were people being held there in Abraham's bosom waiting for the promise of the Messiah. And they couldn't just go to heaven there aren't any of those scriptures to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You with me? Those are after redemption was paid for. Before, we hear the story in Luke 16 where about the rich man and Lazarus, and there was a group of people in Abraham's bosom waiting for the coming of the Messiah, and then there were people who were in torment. And when it said he led the captives out, If you read in the Bible, you'll find that when Jesus died, that people came up out of the grave, Old Testament saints, and walked through the city and told people and talked to people. That would have been a wild day. (laughs) That's what the Bible said, not me. But I can say it because the Bible said it. Then when he ascended, he led those captives with him. He had made the eternal redemption. And when he presented his blood, now we don't go to Abraham's bosom. We go straight to be with the Lord. Those who are saved. And so when he ascended, that's where he went. And he led those captives with him. Those people that had been waiting for the promise. And now they're there. And they look on us. Now, we are different than the Old Testament people in this aspect, that we're actually sons and daughters of God. We're actually now the body of Christ. Totally different than what was in the Old Testament. They were covenant people, but they were not children of God. They were not saved. And so it says he gave gifts to everybody. In the Old Testament, they didn't have gifts. They didn't have abilities. Now, I'm not talking about like Christmas gifts. You know, like you're like, great, I got a bowling ball. I don't bowl. Not like that. You know, great, another sweater. No, those aren't the gifts he's talking about, but they are things that are to be applied In life and lived out. And so here it said in verse 9, uh, where he talked about descending into the lower parts of the earth, that he also ascended. Verse 10 He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill or fulfill all things. And he himself gave some. Now remember, we said this before everybody has a gift, but here it said he gave some to be this, some, not everyone, before he gave stuff to everyone, but out of the everyone who saved, there are some. He gave to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. You know what would help these messages in this series and every series? would be personally praying. You saying, God, I want to know stuff. Because there's so much to be taught out of this. Meaning, technically, you could teach on this for a year, just this set of scriptures or this subject, I'll build my church, and you wouldn't even come close to exhausting it or hitting a lot. So we want to hit the right things, So we need to be praying, everybody praying. I don't mean like right now while I'm preaching, but, you know, like on your own. Because God will help get you things as you talk to Him, as you ask Him things. And so He gave some to be this, but you could talk about apostles. What are they? What are prophets? What are evangelists? What are pastors or overseers? And what are teachers? And what are they for? Verse 12 said, for the equipping of the saints. He gave some for the purpose of equipping saints. He gave some people giftings that then would equip the saints. The saints have giftings. They have abilities, but they need to be equipped. And so he gave, because he said, I'll build my church, he gave some to do certain things so that the saints could be equipped to carry out certain tasks. Like when I talked about inviting people, reaching people, reaching the lost, that is equipping people to be able to carry out a function that the church is called to do. And through that, equipping or sharing, then people can do what the Lord said, and then through that, he said, I will build my church. The church will not be built independent of the Lord. You with me? And in other words, people can't just do it themselves, and the Lord won't just do it himself. You with me? I mean, he made such an investment, he came in the flesh as a man to start the whole thing off. And to get it going. So verse 13 says, actually verse 12, he said, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. When he said he gave these for the building of the church... Think about it. He said, I will build my church. Here he said, I gave them for the edifying or the building of the church. So proper church building will come from proper ministry gifts. You out there? And so he said, tell, verse 13, we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He wants us, how are we going to grow? As we come into the knowledge of the Son of God and grow to a mature body. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by the trickery of men. By the trickery of men. Now, listen to me. There are people out there who stand behind pulpits who use trickery to maneuver people. It's sad for self gain. Paul said this he said, He said, I'm sending this certain person to you. He made, I mean, Paul made some incredible statements, and they're inspired by God. They were put in the Bible. He said, I have no one like-minded like me who will naturally care for you and for your things, for the saints. He said, for all seek their own. But he said, I've got this one. I'm sending him to you. That's a hardcore statement, that, that, that there are, can be hidden motives, where people aren't just seeking what's best for the people. He said, for all seek their own, that's pretty big time. You with me? That doesn't mean we should be suspicious, but that means, too, we shouldn't be naive. you with me? It says that they, by the trickery of men, in cunning, notice this. Let me go back and read the whole thing so you can just follow through verse 14. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. How are we going to not be driven by doctrines and certain things, false things. Well, those ministry gifts, proper ministry gifts, and being under them or being around them or certain giftings will allow for people to gain a knowledge and grow so that they're not driven and pulled, tossed, moved. What moves them? He said, by their trickery of men In cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. In other words, they plot. Their motives aren't right. And are they really wanting to build the body? There are good people out there. But there are both kinds of people out there. There are really good people out there. There's a lot of good people, but there are other people. You with me? They're out there. And verse 15 says, but speaking the truth in love. So the truth coupled with love, in other words, not just for selfish motives, but for the gain of the people, needs to be spoken. It needs to be spoken in love for the benefit of the people. What for? So that we may grow up. Children are tossed. Remember, he said children are tossed. But if you grow up, you won't be tossed. There are some people who just, for their life, will continually jump into things and get themselves into trouble. Constantly. They will do it from day one till the end. And you say, well, why? Because they haven't grown. Because they prefer certain things that are not always toward growth. What has happened is, is we thought growth meant get, it, get rid of gifts of the Spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning the spirits, and all these things. Get rid of apostles, get rid of prophets, get rid of evangelists. We just have you know, missionaries, you know, and pastors. And that is not a growing body. I said, that's not a true growing body. There is, it's not a getting rid of, it's a proper setting. You out there? It's a proper setting of these things. And in that environment, when people grow, when they are young, middle-aged, you know, in all different ages, there's a safety in that. Why? Because young people can tend to just be Spastic. I've been saved 20 years. That doesn't matter. Young people can tend to be spastic. Natural growth and spiritual growth do have similarities. But, you know, when people are young and they get to a certain age, they think they can do it their way. But a wise person gets taught to do it his way and to look at his things And as you have mature people in the body, you don't have to say, well, they've lost their zeal. Hopefully they haven't. But maybe they've gained some wisdom and they just don't jump into everything that comes down the street. You with me? The body is an important part. A local body is an important part of the big picture. And so here... He said, but speaking the truth and love may grow up into all things, into him who is the head, Christ. And then he said, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according, I'm sorry, knit together by what every joint supplies. Every part has a supply, which is based on the giftings and those developed giftings according to the effective working by which every part does its share. What share is yours? Your share is based on your gifting. And he said, will cause growth of the body for the edifying or building up of itself in love. That's interesting, because he said, I'll build my church, And we've gone into some depths about this, that he puts things in people, then he puts things in other people to develop those people so they can do their thing so that he can have the results that he wants. An edified body, a built-up body, not just internally, individually built up, but he wants that. That's why I said not only, but he also wants it To be built numerically. He doesn't want just numerical growth. And he doesn't just want internal growth. He wants both. You with me? And so he gave these people for this. The main, one of the main tools of a minister. Once he qualifies to be a minister. Let that sink in. Some people don't qualify. You out there because of their motives are wrong? But God gives us time to fix things too. But if people are self-designing and trying to do their own thing and wanting their own stuff, that's bad news. Because then what happens is the flock is taken advantage of, whom the Lord put people over not to take advantage of them. You with me? And so God uh, wants his church to grow. Do this with me. Well, before we turn there, I'll finish that thought. I was going to say turn over to Matthew. We'll turn there in a minute. But there are certain tools that ministers must use. One is personal character and love. That maybe isn't always going to be seen, but it will be a flavor The other thing is they're going to use is their own personal walk with God. You with me? That's why people need to grow and they've got to walk and be led by God and know God. And they're going to have to grow in Scripture. And be wise in Scripture. And through their walk with God and being wise in Scripture, if they know the Lord, they're going to know His dealings. Then they're not just going to be handling the word just in a natural sense, but they're going to be doing it by his design. And there will be things that come out for the sake of the body, and they won't all be natural. But one of the great things that a minister needs in his life, and that every believer needs, is the truth, the Bible. It has to find a certain setting. If the body of Christ is going to be built properly, the Word of God has to be set properly in the minister, his attitude at least toward the Word, and then that needs to get set inside every believer. What is the Word of God? What is the Scripture? What is this that we read all the time? What is it? Because if this isn't set right, then the church is going to be fundamentally messed up. Because it is the tool by which, or the food by which, the individual is built in. You with me? It is what people are built by. It actually, when properly presented by the Spirit, will help people to learn to be led by the Spirit. What do I mean by that? Meaning if the Word is taught and you're being inspired, it'll do something inside of you. He'll witness to it. You'll recognize, wow, there was something in that that was said right there. That same witness will be what will lead you in life, is what will govern you. It is what will teach you also on your own. So Matthew 22. We read this verse a few weeks ago. It just seemed good to share it again today and look at a few things. This is a a tool that Jesus used in his ministry. Matthew 22. This has to be set inside of you. It needs to be set inside inside of me. This has to be fundamental to you if you're going to grow up in the Lord. If you're going to get free in any area, this is going to have to be fundamental. If you're going to grow, this has to be fundamental in your life. If you're going to do or aspiring to do anything for God, this has to be fundamental in your life. Anything. And if He's If his church is truly going to grow, then this is going to have to be underlined for true growth, or a well-rounded growth. Notice this, Matthew 22, verse 31. Jesus had been talking, some people tried to trap him about marriage and divorce and different things, and his ministers and his people have been, people have tried to trap him for years. But notice this, verse 31, but concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying? Notice that phrase, Jesus said, but concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read... What was spoken to you by God, saying. If you want to know what God is saying, you have to first read it. You out there? You can't just say, I want to hear from God and God has spoken to me and dealt with me and it goes against scripture and everything else. There's people out there like that. And they're messed up. This has to be a foundation. You need to look at the Scripture because the Scripture are things that are God speaking to us. Turn to 1 John 5. And this is why I was saying this stuff needs to get planted in you. It is God's Word. Jesus himself said, have you not read what was spoken to you? In other words, the Bible is really God speaking to us. This verse of Scripture to me is real interesting. I shared, I shared this the other night about being led by the Spirit, but there's a part in it that is profound. 1 John 5, verse 10, it says, "...and he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself." Anybody who is born again, who has received Jesus has an inward witness in themselves. In other words, you know, like Romans 8, 14, and 16 talk about being led by God and how His Spirit will bear witness with your spirit. Way down inside, you can have a knowing, a witness from Him. Who has this witness? Everyone who has received Christ has this witness witness. But what are we talking about? We're talking about getting founded in the individual the place that the Word of God has. And he said everyone who's born of him has this witness in himself. So you could say this, we all can be taught of the Lord because he lives in everyone who is saved. And in us is a witness. In us is he witnesses things. Notice first John 5:10. "He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has uh, um, sorry, he who does not believe God has made him a liar. He who does not believe God has made... Now, notice that phrase. He who believes has the witness, he who does not believe. He who believes and accepts Jesus has the witness. Now, if you go back to 1 John 2, 20 and verse 27, he said, you have a, an anointing that teaches you all things. He said, The anointing, verse 27, that abides in you teaches you of all things and is truth and is not a lie. 1 John talks about being taught of the Lord. And here, everyone who believes has this witness or this anointing inside of them. So he said, Everyone who believes has. But everyone who believes not has. But not has in the sense of have, they have done something too. How did a person get saved? They had to hear the testimony that Jesus died and rose again. Then you have to call on his name to be saved. He who believes that testimony and calls on him is saved, but not just saved. He didn't even just say saved. He said, You have the witness. Well, we know the witness does what? Testifies or witnesses that you are a child of God. It testifies. It testifies of the truth. You just know that you know on the inside. But notice he who believes has this in them, but he who does not believe has, but it's has in a different way, not the possession of having, but they have done something. I said they have done something. So if they have done something, then the person who is saved has also done something, and what they did gave them something. You say, why are you so slow about this? Because of where I'm going. He and i and this will make sense once I say it. He who believes, has something, but he who has called on the Lord has also done something. They believed the truth. He who does not believe has not believed something, but what is it that they have not believed and how strong is their rejection? How strong is their rejection? We're talking about getting the truth and the reality of it and recognizing the Bible is the Word of God. I have to adjust my thinking and accept it as so. Period. That's my part. Notice, he who believes in the Son of God has... He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. But he who believes in the Son of God has done something. He has believed something. What has he believed? The Bible said nobody can be saved except for they hear. So what this person did who has the witness has believed a truth from the Bible. Now let's read on. He who does not believe has done something to. What have they done? They made him God to be a liar. They basically said when somebody doesn't accept the truth, they make God a liar. That's pretty strong. Why? Because, why do they make him a liar? Why do, why do people who say, well, there's many ways. And Jesus said, and the Bible said, God is the only way. Why do they make him a liar? Why do they make him a liar? I mean, can you imagine? You make God out to be a liar. Not you guys, of course, but somebody like that basically, I mean, think about it. He said, makes him a liar, has made him a liar because he has not believed, notice this phrase, the testimony that God has given of his son. When they didn't believe the testimony, where do you find such a testimony like this? In the scripture. In the Bible, in the Word of God. When somebody says, I don't believe that, they have made God a liar. Now, some people just say, well, just let everybody be what they want to be, and and just let them act like they want to act, and nobody's hurting nobody. No, people are getting hurt all the time, and people are going to hell because of it. And then when we all stand before God, they're going to say, well, I thought there were many ways. And God's just basically going to say, you calling me a liar? You actually made me to be a liar by accepting that that you believed. You didn't believe what I said. You accepted what other people said, and you made me out to be a liar, like There isn't only one way. Or that it's okay to do what you want to do, to live what you want to live. Basically, people would never want to say, well, I wouldn't make God a liar. But remember, we don't get to define the terms by which we live. He defines them for us. So when I say, I am not going to do that. I don't accept that. I'm not going to act on that. I'm not going to believe that. Is to make him out to be a liar like it's not true. What is the testimony? It's from the scripture. It's from the scripture. It's from the scripture. So where should our hard stand be? Being mean to people? No. It should be strong in the word. Because what will the Word do for people? It'll change their life. So a minister needs to be strong in the Word so people can be built. Because if people don't believe the testimony and say, I don't accept that, they make him a liar because they don't believe what he said. Could that be true in any area in the Word of God? That would be an interesting thought. But thank God... We want to get settled in ourselves. Now, you understand, don't go tell the lost person when he said, well, I'm not receiving Jesus. You're making God a liar. No. I mean, I guess you could tell him his word is true. Yeah. He, you know, but when they say no, you don't have to tell them, well, you're a liar. You're making, God in, I mean, you're making God into a liar. That's not what I'm saying. That would not be the best way. You know, if a fish, if you go fishing and they don't bite your bait, you with me? Anybody ever fish and you throw a hook out there and you got your bait out there and you see a fish come by and it's like, whoa, you know, doing the gills. He stares at it and he circles and moves on and then just sits off and watches. You don't throw a rock at it. Hey, I can't believe you and throw a rock at it. No, because then you're going to mess up your chances of catching that fish. So, just because a lost person may make him out to be a liar, don't throw a rock at him. But when they stand before God, if they have not changed, it's a dangerous place. You with me? I knew you'd be encouraged by that. But listen, we haven't made him out to be a liar. We have the one who witnesses and teaches us truth inside of us. Do this with me. Turn to Acts 22. So we have a witness. People who reject him and reject his truth make him out to be a liar. Why do they make him out to be a liar? Because they did not believe his testimony. That's such a simple thing, but it's super profound. I mean, that's a motive. That's an issue right there of lack of humility. Somebody won't lower themselves, but they keep themselves exalted to a place where they say, My way is the best way. That's why people won't get saved until they humble themselves. That's why a lot of times in the fires of life, people go, Yeah, I need to give my life to the Lord, (laughs) because they're squished. And they humble themselves. But they don't have to wait till then. You understand what I mean? To, to change their opinion about God's testimony. Acts 22. So what am I saying? No matter who we are, we need to get this idea settled in ourselves that what God has said is true. And once you've received him, you have a witness. You have the teacher in you To help you even when you read his word or hear his word. Notice this in Acts 22. This is a real interesting set of scriptures. Paul has uh, been in trouble for preaching, been imprisoned, and just had uh, a lot of things happen to him. And uh, he's toward the end of his ministry in verse 28. He said of the 22nd chapter... Let me see if I have this in the right place. Um, Actually, it's the 20th chapter. Acts 20. I was off, but, but it's the 20th chapter. Now I'm back on. Paul's writing to these people, and this goes back to that fundamental thought of where is the Word of God in our lives? And Paul makes some just some pretty wild statements here. Because remember, we looked at those tossed scriptures and, you know, different things like that. Look at this in verse 28. It says, therefore, take heed to yourselves. And he's talking to these leaders and these ministers uh, and to the flock, to all the flock, among whom the Holy Spirit. What is the best way to get into a position? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to make you overseers or bishops, ones who are over the church like a pastor or to shepherd, one who oversees that it is going a certain way and things are happening a certain way. Has made you overseers to shepherd, which is where we get our pastor from shepherd or pastor the church of god which he purchased with his own blood verse 29 for i know this how did how did paul know this he knew this by the spirit the lord had told him what he's about what i'm about to read the the lord had warned him the Lord had explained to him. The Lord talked to him about how the end times would be. And some of these same struggles would occur at the end, not only just when he left. And he even said people would, could be affected by this right here at the end of times where people would leave the faith. They would leave scripture. They would move away And he said, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Sheep can be innocent, and they should be, but they shouldn't just be naive. But when a wolf comes in among sheep, they will tear them. They will tear them, not build them. And some things people hear, you know, and ways can be very tearing. You with me? Verse 30. They won't spare it, not sparing the flock. Also, this is wild too. Also from among among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples, to draw away the disciples, to draw away the self-disciplined ones, the ones who are disciplining themselves to follow the Lord after themselves. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm so glad Paul didn't just say, follow me. Because then I could say, you better follow me. But we're building his church with him, so the proper thing would be to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. These people would not spare the flock, would try to lead away, not dumb people, no, people who are disciples, who are disciplining themselves to live a life after the Lord, and they would try to draw them away after themselves, not for the benefit of the body, but for the benefit of themselves, so they could have their own thing. Therefore watch and remember that for 3 years I did not cease to warn every one night and day with tears that Paul, he's a crybaby. You know, one thing about Paul that I don't like about his ministry is he just seems to say some of the same things again and again. You know, if I were Paul, I would have said something a little bit different. I mean, you know, he's been here for like three and a half years, and he cries. What is he trying to do? Is he just trying to move us, you know, to think this is real? <laughs> you guys. Oh, here he goes again. Paul's crying. And watch, he's going to say that same stuff. After I leave, people are going to come in and people are going to not care about you. Paul Paul taught some of the same stuff. You know, there's different ministries who have some of their stuff up on the website. You know, and you can go listen to their messages or watch their messages. Some people say, I've already seen that before. I don't need to see that again. Some things we need to see again and again or hear again and again. And Paul said he did this for three and a half years, night and day with tears. Verse 32, so now, because he's about to move on. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. In other words, to the truth of the gospel. I commit you to God and to the word. But he could commit you to the word, or I could say be committed to the word, but it still has to become a personal thing to you. Why should it become a personal thing to you? Well, he told us the dangers of not being committed. We've been told he, he prophesied in the Bible. The Lord showed Paul that at the end of the age, before the Lord would come, this would come into play where people would heap up teachers, people would depart from the faith, people would decide it's okay to, to uh, you know, worship animals or have them in a high place, and now, now don't eat meat, don't eat chicken, don't eat any of that stuff. You don't have to get married. You, you can live this way. He, he spoke these things, said these things are going to happen. He said, some of this stuff's going to happen right when I leave, but it's going to happen at the end of the age. So would the same admonition be good for today that was good back then when he departed? When, when you guys leave today, what should be your commitment? What should be a priority of your life? Well, building his kingdom, but building his kingdom has to do with building yourself too. And so what did Paul do? He, he said, so now then, brethren... Verse 32, I commend you to God. Well, you know, the Lord will just take care of his own. He'll try, but his own have to listen. So he said, and I commend you to the word of his grace that is able that this truth, the word of God is able to build you up. He said, I'll build my church. So he commended them to the Word of God, and he said, go after the Word, don't like your own opinions, don't just try to prove your own point. Some people try to prove their own point, and so they'll search the Scriptures to prove their own point, point. and sometimes their point can be proved, but it's almost like you have to shave corners. What we should do is not get scriptures to prove our own point, but use scripture to shape our views. And there is a vast difference. Because if there's something I want to preach, and I go, this is a cool thing, and so then I go find ten scriptures to support it... But there are some that maybe try to pull it a little this way. And I'm like, no, but I want to emphasize this. I have to back away from my personal preference and let the word shape it itself. Or you end up with extremes. And you end up with things that, you know, become dis-shaped, so to speak. And then you see that sometimes in the body of Christ. Now, we're always going to be growing. Nobody's ever going to be perfect. But we don't just take Scripture to prove our point. Once we see something that's in there, we can use Scripture, you know, to reinforce it. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we should not just be so fixed that I can't be wrong in any area. But here's the thing. We should never leave fundamental truths. We're never going to get away. You can never find a truth in there that eventually Jesus uh, just everybody will be saved. No, because you have you'd have to avoid some truths. You with me? So this being said, he said, I commend you to the word of truth, this word of grace. What? Which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified or set apart. What will the word of God do for you? It will build you up so you can walk in your inheritance in the Lord. So Paul said, I commend you to the word of this truth. Some things are not as truthy as they may seem. you with me? So what should we do? We should get it in ourselves that this word is going to be the foundation of my life. I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be unteachable. But I'm going to recognize that this word, the Bible, is going to be the foundation of my life. That is a proper way to build. It's not without God. It's with God let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, thank you for today, and thank you for the word of grace, the truth of what Christ paid for, what Jesus did. And so, Father, with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, thank you, Lord, that we can all, by an act of our will, just reestablish ourselves, that I'll follow your word no matter what. That is the solving of problems in lives. It really is, Lord, when people just bear down and go, I'm going to follow that. It really is the beginning of the solutions of life. And so, Father, thank you we can choose to do that. If you're here today with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, and I'm telling you, that is such a true statement. It solves problems when you finally put the word where it belongs. When people don't, They'll argue their own cause, they'll argue their own way, and they won't get results because the word is not where it really belongs because they've taken something to themselves that does not belong in their life. But when they set themselves to follow what is written, it is the beginning of the course of escape or remedy and victory, period. But anybody who will not will continually struggle along without an answer, even though the answer's right there. And they may read it, it's because they haven't submitted to it and made it their own by acting on it. So with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never committed your life to the Lord, we just want to give you the opportunity to act on His Word and get that witness in yourself and get eternal life. If that's you and you've never received the Lord, either lift your head and look at me or raise your hand. If you want to pray and receive him before you leave today, it'd be a wonderful thing. The other thing, too, is this. After the service, there will be people down front. If you need prayer or desire prayer, there will be people down here to pray with you. And so I encourage you to come down front after the service. Or if you need to surrender your life to the Lord or you want to get filled with the Spirit or whatever it is, it is for you. Amen. You can look up at me. God is so good. Amen. And I'm telling you what, the best remedy for humanity is to put God's Word where it belongs. First place. You ready to give today unto the Lord? I know people give online, and we appreciate it, you know. And uh, we, we support different ministers. We, we do different things. We pay for this building, too, you know we pay for air conditioning somebody said yeah i could feel it today we're adjusting the air as it cools off you know it feels good during the summer right so just bear with us for for a couple of weeks while we adjust you know we're not complainers right no 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 not at all but we are sowers and one thing about a sower One thing about a sower, he's a reaper. She's a reaper. In any area, just remember that. If you want to reap spiritually, sow to spiritual things in your own life. If you want to reap mercy, sow mercy. Whatever you want to reap, sow. But the Bible tells us to sow into the kingdom of God, sow into his work. And praise God, God is good. Amen. If you need an envelope, you can raise your hand. You can give online, too. If you didn't get one when you came in the door this morning, Pastor Linda has some announcements. And um, she was going to make this announcement, but I'm going to make this one while she's coming up here. Uh, In December, I believe it's the 6th, she'll straighten this out. Uh, Sean and Nancy Paul. Our missionaries will be here. They'll be sharing that Sunday morning. They'll also be here for the Christmas banquet that night. They are super excited to come. We're going to pay their way to come. We've already purchased their tickets and and, uh, different things like that. And so we have stuff planned while they're here. They are just super excited. Like I said this last week, they had always wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. Nancy had been when she was a kid. And uh, they just hadn't been able to afford it, uh, you know, and and to be able to go. And then the Lord called them down to uh, Honduras. And so they go to Honduras. And the Bible said there's no man who will not give up lands, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, chickens. I threw that in. Anything in this life now that will not receive now a hundredfold back and then you know and he goes on to say if you do it for the kingdom what i think is so awesome is god dealt with me to have him come to share at with the church and he'd been dealing with me a while i just was waiting till it seemed right and then it was right so then i didn't know that they had always wanted to go to the grand canyon as a family and weren't able to do it and i talked to pastor linda and i said you know i think you know i'm I'm going to take him up to the grand canyon i think i'm supposed to do that and she said well you have to have enough time because of the drive so we extended their flight and we were getting ready to do it so they called me and said and I hadn't told them any of this and they said you know we finally are getting close to the Grand Canyon can we just ask you if you would just extend the ticket we'll take care of it we'll do whatever it takes to go to the Grand Canyon we just have always wanted to do this and this is something we've not been able to do I said well before I answer let me tell you my plan but I don't believe it was God's plan, I said, we want to take you up to the Grand Canyon. They have a train that goes up to the Grand Canyon and back from Williams, and we want to do this as a church and, and, uh, and get that for you. Well, they're totally excited because they've wanted to do that, and they had put aside their plans and then moved, and, but God didn't put aside their plan. And I just think, that, think that's so awesome. So they're going to be here, and uh, they're looking forward to meeting all of you. You say, they don't know me. Well, they want to and because we're a vital part in helping them do what, what they're doing. Amen.
1: So I just want you to get that date down. And then closer now to the calendar, this Friday is our Christmas Paradise for the women's event. So that's this Friday night. Um, There are the invitations out there on the table. Please pick them up and invite people. We do have a sign-up sheet out there because we are going off-site. We're going to go to the Paradise Bakery. Uh, It's going to be a great time, ladies. It's $8 per person. So bring some friends, and we're going to have food. We're going to have just some fun time together. And, of course, we always have incredible door prizes, right? We do have fun. So I just want to encourage you guys to all come to that and bring someone as well. But remember, I need you to sign up because we need to know how many people are going to come. The directions and map are all on the invitation. Then the following Friday, the 13th, I can't tell you about it because it's top secret, so you just have to bring kids and they'll find out. No. It's just the kids have a top secret mission, all right? And it's at 6:45, drop the kids off and you parents get to go have dinner. Drop your bring your neighbor kids. Go do something fun and let those kids come in here and learn about the Lord, and they're going to have pizza prizes and just good things. So that's Friday the 13th, and there are these invitations also on the lobby table. Bring your neighbor friends, bring your nieces, whomever, all right? It'll 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 be a great time for the kids. So that's the 13th, um, and also we do have service tonight at 6 p.m., so I want to encourage you to come back for that, all right? Pastor did say there will be people up here to pray for you. If you need prayer, please just come forward, and, and um, they'll stand in faith. They love to pray with you, and it'll be good. Yes? I just came back from Mexico. You know, I spent a week there, like Pastor said, and I, I keep wanting to say, see? <laughs> Honestly, it came. So you know what? That's what the Word of God will do in you. If you start reading it, it will come out automatically, because I seriously was thinking, See? Yeah, gracias. I got a little poquito Spanish in me now. So how much word could we get in us if we'll spend time and focus on it? Amen. You have a great day.